morning crypto. PETF then. We would certainly welcome it. And I think it's inevitable that there'll be, you know, multiple ETFs around different uh, tokens. And I think you'll even see ETFs potentially around baskets that also, I think, further diversify that risk. Are you in talks with the largest issuers, particularly BlackRock, to get this done? Well, uh, I'm not going to comment on that. I know BlackRock has said some things publicly. Uh, you know, we think it makes sense for the XRP community overall. Uh, you know, Ripple obviously is a very important stakeholder in the XRP ecosystem, but we're not the only player. And look, we, we've seen, I mean, before the SEC lawsuit, XRP was the second most valuable digital asset. I think because of the headwinds of that lawsuit, you know, we've now seen that largely abate. Uh, but the long-term view on these things is about, you know, how do you create utility and really solve real-world problems with these different digital assets? So you would welcome an XRP ETF then? Good morning, Warriors. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. And today, we got Johnny Crypto, aka the Italian Stallion, joining us, but we also have our good friend Waters Above in the building, guys. And I wanted to start off the show by showing you the Bloomberg news from yesterday because we're going to be doing a lot of decoding, a lot of deep, in-depth conversation this morning. So we'll get the sheeple talk out of the way, Johnny. What was your thoughts on, first of all, Brad Garlinghouse addressing the BlackRock information yesterday, as well as our good friend Waters joining the show? Well, first of all, let me just say good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. We love and appreciate you guys for showing up every day. Also, great to see our brother Waters in the house. Shout out to all the wolf pack out there as well. Oh, but anyway, um, you know, interesting on that. Usually when you're not doing something and the answer is no, you just say no. And then when the answer isn't no, you come up with this whole reason of why you can't answer. So I'm going to say that there's probably something growing in the background. But that said, let's kick it over to our man Waters. You know what else I thought was really funny, Johnny, was it reminded me of the Larry Fink clip from a couple of weeks ago as well, where Larry goes, you don't want me to address that when he was talking to Charlie Gasparino. But Waters Above, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure when we get to have you on the show. How are you feeling this morning? And thank you for being here. Feeling amazing. I appreciate you guys inviting me back on. Looking forward to hanging out for a little bit. So let me ask you, when you see this Brad Garlinghouse clip, does it correspond to any of the things that you're seeing when it comes to your decodes and what you're witnessing for 2024? We know that people are overly optimistic on Bitcoin right now. And I think that goes for the entire market. We're seeing projects like Ethereum reach three grand. Solana did an 11x recently. But I'd like to see what you're, I'd like to hear what you're seeing in the price charts as well, because I've been watching your videos and you've been calling a bear trap on Bitcoin. So maybe you can elaborate on that. Yeah, I mean, it seems that there's a lot of things going on in this market, but we do have a lot of firsts, you know, and one of the big firsts is the obvious ETF approval for Bitcoin. Um, and it's become the talk of the town. And we all are quite up to date in what's going on in crypto land. So we know about everything before it's happening, as it's happening. And the people who are just coming into this space for the first time ever, you know, this is really uh, selling it onto them and perhaps the older generation as well. Now, this whole concept of Bitcoin being a scam is like uh, no longer in the conversation because of this recent, um, you know, ETF narrative. Now, I mean, you could call whatever this move, uh, you could call it whatever name you want to call it. But it is a little bit odd how we went from being ultra bearish in the space and all of these, you know, bearish narratives to almost instantaneously flipping that. And with the reaction to that 20% sell off that came immediately after the ETF approvals, 
it was a sign that this was again sort of a opportunity for the market maker to trap liquidity to do what they do best and this now it seems to be what we're watching right in front of our faces is a short squeeze and volume has not really gone up too much and also there's been a lot um that's transpired since probably videos that i put out a month ago or perhaps even two months ago and we had this conversation about a rotation into altcoins and i was very firm that i don't really see there being a textbook alt season and that still is obviously what's going on every time bitcoin has a correction we're seeing what it does to the alt market and a lot of coins have not broken out of their prior um yearly highs that came in in january a lot of them are making lower highs and we're also not seeing volume go up too much xrp for instance is obviously part of that conversation as well so we're not really seeing uh i know a lot of people think that what we're going through right now is an alt season but it's not i mean if you really look at what alt season is it's uh it's nothing even close to this and you could just look at volume to prove that so i see a lot of price going up and then we'll conclude this thought i see a lot of price going up in altcoins but people got to remember that it requires a very little bit of liquidity to make that happen um in the grand scheme of things we have so many stable coins out there just nonsense you know minted out of thin air to push up these altcoins and and it looks very similar to the february 2020 market where everyone got trapped in that before you know c19 so i'm not here to say that i think that's going to repeat the same exact way but a lot of altcoins do look similar right now to the way they did back in february 2020 where everything was looking a little bit bullish things were breaking out we were seeing 200 300 400 gains on some projects over like a 90-day period but that did not matter because what came next was a huge liquidation ritual and uh, this is what the market maker does. And they prey on sentiment to get it all taken care of. Because right now we're looking at Bitcoin being so bullish. But I, I really think if it's only because of this idea of the Bitcoin ETF approvals, then that's a scary reason for us to be up where we're at right now at this time, uh, especially what the Fed's going to be doing very soon. And uh, yeah, so I think XRP is in a um, potential Bitcoin ETF scenario where with this grand trial coming up, it'll have a similar effect as Bitcoin's ETF um, approval had. So I'll just wrap up that thought and maybe you guys have some questions about this, but it yep. seems that there's going to be speculative money entering this market very soon for specifically XRP. And that could even align with just like stables that need to be rolled over or liquidity that rolls over from Solana or Caspa or whatever these projects that are doing really good right now. If there was to be a 20 or 30% correction on Bitcoin, that could definitely roll over. And um, if that was the case, I do think that this grand trial that's coming up in April, like right around the Bitcoin halving, uh, would synchronize perfectly with um, XRP catching up. And then what I wanted to ask you about was the 600-day channel. Just before we go into the XRP content for today, when you're talking about Bitcoin, you you addressed this in your latest video. I believe it was I, – sorry, I can't remember the title of the video, but it came out four days ago. And what you were stating is that Bitcoin reached the top of this 600-day channel, and we've been trading within that for multiple years. But what really stuck out to you is that one of two things is going to happen – we're going to break above that range, which Bitcoin is doing a bunch of things we've never seen before. So that wouldn't be out of context for what we're witnessing now. Or we're going to do exactly what we've done. And we're going to come back down to that thirty-six dollars to $34,000 range. 
Johnny's been calling for a pullback. And I think there's two types of people in the market right now. People who are overly bearish and people who are overly bullish. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of middle ground when it comes to the crypto market overall. But I just wanted to hear your perspective. Do you believe it's more likely because of everything that we're witnessing today that we actually break out of that 600-day channel and enter this new bull market territory? Or are we going back to that 36000 Because we know the higher the pump, the larger the fall. Yeah, I decided to uh, share the screen so we could give you guys somewhat of a visual of what Abs is talking about. And um, yeah, my take on this whole thing is that we are a little bit overextended. We could absolutely shoot up to 54, 55 right now. But if we were to start approaching the 60, 62 range today before having at least a 20 to 30% pullback, that would be incredibly unhealthy. And what would follow is very... I. I would assume what would follow would be like what happened in May of this time frame over here, May, June of 2021. We will have a choppy top and then we will crater to the downside, a huge correction. And that kind of a setup is very elusive. This, uh, this type of crown formation distributional top where we just chopped up into every new moon correction into full moon. Uh, for these for people that are brand new to my work, we've been using the lunar cycles and determining our microcycle tops and microcycle bottoms. So I'll quickly explain this. This might help some people out. You have these blue dots are your new moons and these white dots are your full moons. And you could see back in what was the bull run of 2021 and effectively alt season of around Q2 2021. Every microcycle top was around a new moon followed by a correction into a full moon, rinse, repeat. And then right here, in May of 2021, we had a very powerful lunar eclipse. And this lunar eclipse is what effectively ended all season. It had, um, I mean, we could just quickly measure the top to bottom correction. It was a 56% correction. And we did go on to recover um, for Bitcoin and Ethereum and a couple of isolated projects. But most coins, the tops were in by March, April 2021. And this type of correction sealed the deal on a bull run. Because we really didn't get much more price discovery on this double top that followed. And we saw pretty much by this time when we were recover when we were correcting into the 2022 year, altcoins were down 70, 80% already. Um, so if that's what's going to happen now, I'm afraid to say that that's probably what would be coming. If we just start to rage to retest new alt, sorry, current all time highs uh, before the summertime, then yeah. We're going to have a short-lived bull run, lights out, um, and then I think an everything crash would probably happen because the people who are running this market aren't just isolating crypto from it all. This is all synchronistic in a sense. Uh, and, you, could, you could almost imagine it like a dot-com bubble scenario. And I imagine that that's a reason why Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, some of the biggest, most prominent billionaires on the planet, they've been publicly selling off their portfolios since the end of 2023. Just yesterday, I believe that Bezos admitted to liquidating over $8 billion in Amazon stock. And these are numbers that we've never seen before. So you're talking about crypto being an isolated, not being an isolated environment. Well, we're predicting a big stock market crash in 2024. That's what the stock market is telling us. That's what the charts are showing us. Um, Johnny, I wanted to bring up a conversation we had last night because it plays exactly what Into Water said, where this is dangerous that Bitcoin's pumping this quickly in such a short period of time. Because imagine what happens if we get a bull run in 2024, retail is sold the narrative at the end of this year, and then we get a massive collapse. That's very possible. If we see a huge run in 2024, we could see these markets go from Bitcoin being $50,000 to $100,000, $120,000.
we would not sustain those levels. Like Waters Address, higher the pump, the larger the dump. Look at the XRP price chart for, as an example. Johnny, I don't know if you have any thoughts or what's on your mind. Well, as I said last night, for me, I think that there's a, once the big boys are in this game, as I said, I think the sandbox has been hijacked. The big boys own it. It's a whole different game. I think they, you know, they never let, they never play the game where they allow you to know what's going to happen ahead of time. And so I think, I think you're going to see something different uh, now that they're here to play because they manipulate like nobody's manipulated before. They're probably the best manipulators in the world. And they're not going to make it easy for us. They're not going to make it, oh, very predictable. It's, I don't think that's going to happen this time around. So I expect a monkey wrench to be thrown in here and the things to be different. Um, but at the end of the day, I also do think that the having will have an impact on this price point at some point in time. When? I don't know. I think that's where it's going to be different. But we'll wait and we'll have to wait and see how the whole thing plays out. But I am not expecting it to be the same anymore because we have new factors in play. We never had a Bitcoin ETF. We never had BlackRock and other other major institutions in crypto in 2013, 2017, or 2021. I personally believe that's going to make a difference. Uh, I know some people don't agree. That's totally fine. Maybe I'm wrong. Hope I'm wrong. But that's just kind of where I'm at right now because the elites never make it easy to easy to uh, to they don't make it predictable, right, Ab? So I think we'll see something different. But um, and I do think we need a pullback. Let's hope we get a pullback. I'm praying that we get a pullback. Been saying it for two months, hoping the March time going into the having. I'd love to see a pullback go into that and then send us off into the next leg. But TA is not my expertise. I'll leave that up the waters of everybody else to do. Waters, and I'd love for you to just break down what you're showing on our screen right now. We got mm -hmm. 680 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. A special thank you to Waters Above for joining the show. Floor is yours, Waters, because me and Johnny have talked too much this morning. The people want to hear from you. Yeah, sure. So I wanted to go through this. I think this could be helpful for people. Um, by the way, I shared this analysis just recently on my Red Pill podcast, which is part of my Patreon. So my Patreon supporters got the, you know, play by play on this exact move month by month, probably at least six to seven months ago. And what I'm about to get into today is just quick recap. So what we have here is the year of the dragon, and I will go through every single one to about World War II, which was 1940. Obviously, World War II started in 1939 officially, but Year of the Dragon followed a year later. And I just want to show you how cyclical this particular Chinese year is, Chinese lunar year. So what we have initially is the beginning of this green box. That's the Year of the Dragon. And the end is the end of the Year of the Dragon. So just people, all you got to focus on is this green box. And you have a run-up into mid-March a correction effectively sometime into late May or June. And then you did have a double top effect into leading into like September, followed by a much more dramatic sell-off. By the way, the year 2000 was the dot-com bubble. So that's not something to play around with. Now we're going to go back to 1988. Something that's fascinating about 88 is the year before we had a huge crash. Black Monday, it was in that movie uh, Wolf of Wall Street. You've probably all seen it, but... Let's get into the year of the dragon start to finish. We have a run-up effectively into March. You made your highs in March, followed by a sell-off into late May. And then look at that, recovery. Same as the cycle before. We're going to go to 1967 now, year of the dragon. We have a run-up into early April, but still late March. Same time frame, correction into June, recovery. 
So we're going to go now back another cycle. Could actually just skip a couple of these. I, I really want to just harp on, on this specific one here. This was 1940. Um, 1940, we again, we went up into April and then a really deep correction, same time of year in June and had a recovery into the same time frame as well. But this right here was all around a war narrative. And effectively, we know right now we have several war narratives going on in the world stage. We had two years ago, pretty much right around this time of year, the Russia-Ukraine invasion. It was on February 24th. And um, just last year in October, October 7th, we had Israel declaring war. So we have a couple different geographic locations. And then we all know Russia is a big part of this conversation. China is a big part of this conversation in, in a different way. Um, and the United States is always going to be what kind of seals the deal on it being called a world war for whatever reason. That's the way they ritualize it. Now, I will be very honest and transparent with everyone here. I don't think the United States is going to get involved in this war until the next year, the year of the snake. And I have proof and evidence as to why this is the case, because the United States of America gets involved in every war or every big uh, long-term lengthy battle um, in the year of the snake every single time in World War I, World War II, Vietnam, uh, the ter after post-terrorist attack in 2001. It's always happening during this year of the snake. So the year of the dragon is fascinating because there's a cyclicality to the way the market behaves, where we run up into late March or early April. Then we have a sell-off into June, which is an amazing buying opportunity in a lot of instances. And then we get bought back up into around Q4. Now, in some cycles, we even go on and continue up. And like we have a really nice um, post-year of the dragon uh, bull run in this case in 1988. You can see we went up past it, but in the dot-com bubble, we went down. Huge sell-off. Now, I don't really know if we're ready to go into something like this, um, but I think there will be something of the essence coming sooner than later, just because if you zoom out on any of these charts, you can see that we can't just keep going up and up and up forever. We need to have a time frame. Let me turn off all this noise where we build a little bit of market structure, Okay. Right now, we're just, we have sh really small short term corrections, and then we make another leg higher, rinse, repeat. By the way, this was the C19 crash. And when you zoom out on this chart, you could barely notice it. You probably only notice it because I pointed it out. But at the time when we were living through it, it was catastrophic and the whole world shut down. But it doesn't matter because if the Fed wants to print money and inject liquidity into this, then that's what it's going to do. And I suspect during this year, right now, we're going to have. That that game of musical chairs is going to come to its, you know, the music's going to stop. Um, anyways, I hope this analysis is enlightening for people because you can't deny the fact when every single time during this particular Chinese year, we're going up into late March, early April, followed by a sell off into June, followed by recovery into Q4. The last thing I'll mention, the big reason that I put emphasis on 1940 <clears throat> is uh, not only because of everything that's going on in the world stage, but the the place that Europe played in all of it and the Balkan nations, the way that they were involved in it, and the fact that we know that the Euro central bank is moving forward with the CBDC. And we have this conversation of CBDCs. And if we're going to go ahead with that program, well, we need to be able to do it in a place that has not only a huge population, but it's not just the, the Eastern world. You know, it's already something that could be activatable within 
24 hours in like Australia or it's already live in China or Singapore, but it's hard to do in a place like England, you know? So I think if they're going to move forward with the CBDCs that they're probably going to do it in a, in a test run in the Balkan nations somewhere around there, maybe Greece would be a, a solid place to, to like pilot the program with a Euro digital Euro. And then that'll bring civil unrest. That'll bring some problems. Like, we'll see some revolt and revolution and then that's where they play the military card and then they could start developing the war theme even more. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of like my theory on how this is all going to go. And um, the last thing I'll say from a little bit more of an esoteric perspective is if you look at the eclipses in this year, where they're placed, it's identical to the eclipses of 1940. Identical. And if you look at the time frame of October 1939, it was the same narratives going on in the world stage as this recent narrative that just happened here in this past October. So the involvement of new nations in this war conversation became talk of the town and it brought fear and all of our attention went there. And all that kept going on is the market went up and up and up and up. And that's exactly what just happened this recent October. You could look at any fucking chart. Everything was just going up, especially cryptocurrency. So they're pivot pointing the market on certain points. And the next pivot should be this upcoming lunar eclipse on March 25th into April 8th. And then we should probably see a correction into the full moon of May and the full moon of June. And that's kind of like the, the cheat code right there. And it's not my opinion. I literally just showed you almost 80 years of data. So, Waters, if you pull back, can you go back to the 1940s area chart? So sure. you're, 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 you're thinking we're kind of more in this realm where we're going to see uh, potentially a similar behavior. Yeah, there we go. We zoom in for our audience. That'd be great. So more expect a, a pull or a run, a pullback. And then a run up maybe from June to the end of the year. And then it's time to get the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> Sounds like snake year. We may be going down. And it makes sense. Think about it. All the big boys are selling right now. Bezos, you know, flat cashing out on $8 billion. And maybe they're getting out because they know what's coming. That we're headed into this, if you will, a down year. Mm -hmm. in the snake year based on coupling it with the nar the war narrative. Um, and the uh, eclipse... Um, you know, lining up exactly the way we were back then. And we know that they tend to use those similar things when mm -hmm. they're doing certain events. So makes me wonder, are we kind of, you know, do we already have maybe the blueprint of there you go, there it is right there, what's to come? And smart money may be ready to get out or the smart thing may do to have an exit plan and get out somewhere in, you know, by the end of this year. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be very cyclical. The only thing is, is like, where is this whole thing going? Because they they need a reason to collapse the markets, right? They gave yeah. us a reason with C19. They gave us a reason with the dot-com bubble. They gave us a reason with 2008 uh, subprime mortgage crisis. There's an obvious reason if we're in a world war, um, you know? So what's the reason? 93, it was the bond market. Um so I'll be I'll be clear here and I kind of maybe because some of the things I'm sharing might be injecting fear into people and that's not my intention like that's not what this is about. Um, one thing that's really cool about these charts that I'm going through 
is if we are in a Shemitah year, which is the seven-year cycle, you know, shout out to Coach JV, probably the first channel with a large community that invited me on and allowed me to share this gnosis with everyone. Um, when we're in the Shemitah year, that's when we really want to be paying attention to the concept of shift of maybe power on the world stage or like brand new, a brand new world. Um, so I don't know if we're going to have like a C-19 of effect all over again, or if we're going to go into something that's like really doom and gloom. Like I'm not calling for a recession. I just what think. What about a war? What about a war? Now? I mean, World War Three. That well, would certainly do it. <laughs> yeah. And that would be, that would make sense. But remember, wars make money. Wars are designed to make money. Well, I, I think if you look at yes. the market, actually, you'll see that there, uh, I'll give an example um, just really quickly for everyone. I want everyone to look at October 2023, this time frame right here. Well, the market effectively sold off perfectly into this uh, Israel and Hamas situation. And then we just went up straight bull energy and we still kind of were in it. Maybe we're finally starting to relax, but that was the pivot point. Okay. Uh, Russia, Ukraine invasion. We know what that did to crypto. That was very bullish for crypto actually. Why? Because once you start doing all these sanctions and kind of cutting off the lifeline of the way that money moves, well, you can't do that to Russia. Russia is self-reliant. <laughs> They'll figure out, out another way. So that made crypto and blockchain technology kind of sexy, actually, because it's a it's a workaround. So I know we're crypto people here for the most part, right? So we got to stick to the stick to what it is that we're giving our our energy truly to. And yeah, like I don't know. I feel like we could have a war and still have a bull, a bullish market. Um, let me go back to the 1940 situation. So right here world war ii started and look at the gap like prior to it i mean we went up 21 fucking percent in the s p back in the in 1939 after the war started i mean yeah there was a pretty dramatic sell-off but ultimately it was just within a horizontal trading range that we started after this correction from 37 and it was the shemitah that started that um I think we have a lot more time left of like bull run. Uh, I know a lot of people might disagree with that, but I, I think we could continue up bullish even into the beginning of next year, like Q, Q1, Q2. I don't know about um, how it's going to go across the board. We could have isolated things take a huge shit. Um, I think just in general, we have some industries that are failing because of AI and because of automations and because we're going in that direction, like transhumanism. So you might see some things start to, some bubbles start to pop. I think housing is horrendous right now. Like there, there's no reason a $80,000 townhome should be listed at $350,000 when it's made of dog shit materials and nobody put any passion into it in a fucking windstorm could happen and knock it to shit you know but it's three it's a it's a third of a million dollars like you know we're in we're in a bubble territory in a lot of ways but um we're in a big conversation when we talk about crypto and blockchain technology um because that is the solution actually to a lot of this nonsense that's going on this this hyperinflation bubble so waters i have a quick question for you we we addressed a lot of the bubbles but one of the things that sticks out to me about crypto right now is bitcoin is a trillion dollars in market cap 
And let me just go and figure out the total market cap for crypto this morning. I believe it's probably 1.94, $1.94 trillion. Yeah. That tells me, and guys like Mark Yusko and Scarmucci, now these are big figures that, that deal with a lot of money. When they talk to us, which isn't very often, but when they do, they tell us that they believe this market will reach $5 trillion. I don't know why, I don't necessarily know how they're getting that number. They're correlating the price of the halving to what Bitcoin's max market cap will be. So what Mark Yusko said to us is this, the price of Bitcoin on the day of the halving, if we repeat traditional cycles, will be two and a half X that price. So if it's $50,000, he believes we'll be in the $175,000 range around that time. Here's my question. Altcoins right now, even tokens as big as XRP, are $30 billion in market cap. If this market really does expand to those numbers, my next question would be, it does it happen like it has in the past where it's speculation driven, it's waves of liquidity moving through the market. And we see projects like XRP, which at the time was being sued by the SEC, go from 17 cents to $1.90 based off nothing, just based off liquidity moving through this yep. market. Do you see something similar happening this time or are we going to see a difference in structure when it comes to the altcoins? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, like there's a piece of me deep down inside my soul that like wants this whole shitcoin market to be drained. Like I think it's fucking nonsense how we have all this memory and it's getting it's yeah, it's just bringing the wrong type of person into this space. And I think if anyone wants to become a sophisticated investor and like wants this market to mature, we're going to have to get rid of all this like Doge, Elon, Dildo, Rocket coin, you know, all this like Pepe, Mustache, Mustard, uh, Cum coin. They're, like, not this go they're not going away, Waters. You know why? Because yeah. people Johnny Crypto looks like you got to sell your portfolio, huh? <laughs> I don't know. So, so I don't know. Like, I think like, yeah, there's a lot of attention to alts and especially these more fun alts because it's a way that retail who doesn't know what they're doing at all and has no time horizon or exit strategy or investment thesis whatsoever. They could feel like they're putting a little bit in and they can make a substantial return. And that is a truth. But the problem here is it's not sustainable and you need to be like a sniper when it comes to your exit strategy. So when you're playing with that market, you really need to know when the hell to get out and it's hard to determine. And uh, a lot of the time what happens is, and I don't, am I, am I answering your question or am I going a little bit, you know, I, I just want to provide some market wisdom here because this is what matters more, man. Like if, if all this shit went away, all this nonsense, memory, uh, a lot of that liquidity would have to go somewhere and it would go into stuff that actually has some use case, some fundamentals um, and could uh, actually provide a solution somewhere in this writ in this archaic financial system that we have, this global financial system. Um, so as for what to expect next, and I know Johnny Crypto said some of his thoughts. And by the way, it's not about being right or wrong. That's the least important thing to me. It's about where are you at with your investments? You know, that's what matters most. Because if you bought in this market in 2014, then you're not wrong. <laughs> you could have all the fucking wrong opinions on earth, but if you never sold, you're not wrong. Like if you bought XRP in 20, 2015, who cares how wrong you were? If you never sold, you're doing pretty fucking good. So that some people forget that though. Like they play the same game with me where they're like, oh, you sold, uh, you de-risked at 47K Bitcoin. Aren't you mad that, are you serious? Mad? I bought it at $8,000. What am I mad about? Like I'm in this game forever, you know? Like once I learned about it, I'm like, I need to become an investor. 
a lot of people aren't ready to become an investor. They're just trying to do something real quick, make some money, and then give half of their wealth over to the tax man. Yep. So that's not my game. I'm trying to get into wealth preservation. I'm trying to get into real wealth. You know, being rich is momentary. So shift you know, your you mindset. Said some, you said something that's important, Waters, and I talk to a lot of, uh, you know, we do one-on-one -on -one consultations with with people in the academy and i talk to a lot of people and the biggest thing i always hear is you know what draws them into crypto unfortunately get rich quick is yeah. the theme most of them are here because of the they've heard a friend or a buddy or they've seen something thousand x hundred x and they want and they want to get rich quick right who doesn't and so the reality is most of them are going to get wrecked because they don't they don't know how to play the game and when you don't know how to play a game and you try to try to chase big candles, you're just going to be exit liquidity. So you, you said that earlier, and it's sad that they are here for the wrong reason. But hopefully we can educate people. And, and you know, you're doing a great job in your community helping to educate people and also educate our community here as well. And we try to do the same yeah. to let people know. And there it is right there, right? To make sure you have an exit. Listen, Putin had an exit plan. Everybody needs to have an exit plan, right, Waters? And so we want to make sure that people understand if you're going to get into something, you better have a plan of when to get out because it just doesn't go up forever. Things, as you showed in those charts, things go up, things go down. Those are opportunities. You just got to know when to get in and out. One quick follow-up just to add to your point here, Johnny, is the reason I was bringing it up is because last market cycle, I was new to this market. I'd only been in a year, year and a half. And when XRP pumped from 17 cents to $1.90, I was one of the people who bought into the hopium. So I want to avoid that for many of our listeners because as you know, the price charts really do speak for themselves. And let's just use Stellar as an example, because I just think this price chart is so obvious. During the 2021 bull run, we saw this token go from about, I think it started off at less than a penny, maybe around three cents. And this thing pumped. Yep. So it started off at two cents. And as you can tell, it touched barely here, 80 cent mark. So what the reason that I'm showing this is because during this time, a lot of people think it's just getting started. And I want people to be able to identify when they should be able to take profits or when they should at least be looking at some of their exit targets and debating, listen, we've pumped a thousand percent in the last four months. Maybe I should take 10% off the table. Waters, I feel like you're a great person to address that. When we talk about this time being a little bit different, mm -hmm. is, is this something you see replaying itself or do you think this will be different as well? See, like this is why I answered in, in a sort of unsexy way because someone needs to say it. Like, you know what shouldn't be different is your fucking plan. Who like who cares if the market is like we expect everything to eventually be different, right? Like we once had cash, then we got debit and credit cards and then tap to pay. And now now you could like kiss the screen and it'll know it's you. And then like soon you'll be able to like put the microchip in your hand into the, you know, like a jokes aside, it's like everything just changes eventually. And should your plan ever change? No. Like look at Warren Buffett's plan. It worked really fucking well. Like it's just to be cons be conservative, have a plan, take action when the market comes to you, rinse, repeat forever. Like one thing to remind people is let's just say you're 19 years old and you're listening to this or let's just say you're 59 years old and you're listening to this. You're not dying tomorrow. You're not dying at the end of this bull run. Like you're not going to die four years after the bull run most likely. So like why are you living your life as if there is no later date <laughs> like there is no i think people got sucked into this idea that they want to like retire yeah. and retirement's a fucking scam bro like yeah. if you're just always staying conservative and 
sticking to a plan that's profitable over the long time horizon, you can't lose in this market. Just don't sell then. If that's if you're staring at charts all day, which I know a lot of people do lately, people are. And that's kind of what my role is in this whole uh, ecosystem of crypto educators. It's like giving people the clear pill on what's happening. There's people right now that are 100 percent invested in XRP but they're staring at the Bitcoin chart, like the four hour chart all day, every day, every waking moment of their life, checking in their phone to see how it's moving. And then they're calling it a shit coin and they don't care. But like, it's just the excitement. It's like people are injecting this into the main vein, like heroin. And you're, you're not going to be able to be long term if you're so um, myopic and yeah, I, I think that right now we need like a revolution of what it means to be an investor and we need to get more calm about this and we need to see it for what it is. And there there needs to be like un, like deprogramming or some shit because there's way too much ever since crypto came around. It like it was a tsunami over what the definition of being an investor was all about. It completely changed. I know maybe it happened during the dot com bubble. But that big crash kind of uh, it was too, too, too quick. You know what I mean? But now we're here with over a decade of Bitcoin. We're going on like year 15. We have so many years of crypto now. So people don't even know what investing is anymore because of what crypto does to people. It Johnny, makes you uh, it makes you blind to the long term. And Johnny, doesn't that just remind you of what we talked about the other day when I said, I remember just five years ago, if you made 20 percent in the market, that was considered an awesome year. Now we do that in a couple of weeks and people are upset depending on the token. Yeah. And that's what I think Waters is pretty much highlighting. It's like crypto has rapidly changed people's expectations when it comes to investing. Yeah. Everybody thinks they can throw a hundred bucks into this market and turn it into a thousand. And then when yeah. it turns into a thousand, they think it's going to go to another 10,000. Bro, like if, if I made a hedge fund two years ago and I had to publicly report everything that was going on, the SEC would have investigated me. <laughs> yeah. They would have been like, how did you do it? Yeah. That's like what I'm not even flexing, by the way. That's what you just said. Abs is such a truth. If you if you did 15 percent in a year, you were like, what do you like? I remember watching some documentaries about this, like the government started getting interested in certain hedge funds when they were making like 18 percent a year. Yeah, they were like, you guys must have some fucking secrets, you know, and like here in crypto, we just watched Bitcoin. I'm not trying to shit on gold right now because I am a gold investor, but we just watched Bitcoin go up since October as much as gold has gone up since the bottom of 2015. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. bro, Bitcoin is outperforming Ethereum right now. Like mm -hmm. people see ETH went to 3000, but they're disregarding the fact that Bitcoin's still outperforming ETH. Like, <laughs> are we not happy with making money? What's going on here? Like, I think we're we're getting into a weird world where it's like, I think too many people think they deserve something because they have uh, information, but they're not really ready to like become that position. It, it, it has a lot to do with manifestation. A lot of people think that they're manifesting, but they don't want to embody that role of what that person is. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to become an entrepreneur, well, you have to embody leadership. Well, if you want to become a wealthy person, you have to embody what a wealthy person is all about, which is thinking generations ahead, mm. not not four months ahead. But to answer the question in the the basic way, coming back to the XLM thing and the and the, the all coin market, 
I think we are doing a, a similar thing to what we did in all past cycles regarding Bitcoin. I do see it very similar with Ethereum, actually. Um, I do think a lot of altcoins are doing what they normally do. There's been some isolated runs, but well-deserved, like what Solana did um, was just kind of catching up to its market cap position before the bigger sell-off back in 2022. I think everything is sort of balancing right now, but the ISO 220, ISO 222 and XRP conversation and the Ripple and SEC case conversation, that's its own thing. And it's obvious in those charts. I think out of all those projects, the only one that's like really um, impressive, in my opinion, is XDC. And that's a project that I'm looking to start investing more in. And I'm glad that I did some TA on it recently because it um, it's just been a solid project to keep up with and it's impressive by its chart unlike a lot of other stuff like iota and algo and even hbar's recent breakout isn't that impressive it does very much remind me of february 2022 which i talked about earlier and that was a bull trap exactly waters and i think that's a perfect transition into our xrp conversation i would love for you to do some ta with xrp because the community seems overly frustrated right now and typically that's when we look for market bottoms. We look for moments of capitulation when people are overly negative or overly positive to indicate where we are in these cycles. And when I'm thinking about XRP in particular, we are way too negative in the community because I think people are just comparing it to other tokens. And as we know, comparison is the thief of joy. So Johnny mm. Crypto, we got 858 live listeners here. Show us some love, smash that like button. And like always, special thank you to our friend Waters Above. But Waters, what are you seeing in the XRP price chart in particular? Yeah, uh, you know, first thing to say is if you're frustrated about what's going on, then that's another sign of like you're not being an investor. Like frustration is yeah, like don't no emotion should be present in this market. You have to be super just grounded about this whole thing. And I get it. Like if you're watching a bunch of other stuff pop off and you're a hundred percent in this XRP token, you know what that should teach you? That should teach you to fucking diversify. Like you should have never been a hundred percent in anything in this market, you know, like no offense, but there's opportunities in this, in this game. And I mean, look at what Dogecoin did in the last cycle compared to what XRP did. So people need to like, uh, yeah, they need to stop dating these projects and just build a better investment thesis. Getting back to this, there's clearly a very long-term support trend line that's been active in this XRP chart going all the way back to this automatic rally of the cycle of 2014, 2013 through 2017. I really like this lower trend line because it's been a clear support ever since this um, C19 crash. And then we have over here was the Ripple uh, SEC versus Ripple lawsuit initiating. And then ever since the end of alt season of 2021, we've been snaking around this line time and time again. And what I, what I really enjoy about this is it's making higher lows and higher highs so it's been recovering it's just not happening in in the way that you know a lot of other altcoins have um comparatively to the type of energy that bitcoin has right now but it's still structurally higher lows now there's another trend line here on the screen again when we're looking at these trend lines we're not trying to be perfect with them we're just trying to capture as much data as possible to be able to determine the trend that's important to make a note of because some people might see these trend lines they might be new to ta trend lines are like a tertiary part of your analysis not even secondary you use them to determine trend so it doesn't need to be perfect it's just 
where are we headed? You know what I mean? Um, I've even seen people with great success not even attach trend lines to any of the candles or any of the wicks. They just leave it slightly outside to get kind of a more clear, clear view. The reason I mention this is because when we start getting into a resistance or a support, we start to open up trades. And that that is really the bane of a trader's <laughs> trading plan. You don't want to be doing stuff like that. You want to wait for confirmations. Um, so getting back to this, we're in a huge pattern. And this spike up was because of the SEC no longer deeming XRP a security. Since then, we've not only been making higher lows, but we've been making lower highs. And we're coiling up into this huge symmetrical triangle pattern. And if you wanted to call the date of this um, breakout effectively, we're at 222 days. So it's been a minute, you know, and we're due for breaking out of this very, very soon. And if we are to break out, I feel it's so perfectly timed with this upcoming grand trial. And uh, yeah, like I believe I said this a little bit earlier that it will be a speculative rally just like this was and we know this was speculative because it was a single green candle and we followed with a huge correction what three weeks later yeah a month later so i think there's gonna be in like this by the rumor effect and it'll likely be coming in very very soon because i know that the next update in the in the case is maybe a couple updates in march and then there's one maybe five days before the grand trial on the 23rd and no matter how this goes, by the way, like if it's positive or negative in regards to the outcome, I still think there will be price appreciation that will be noticeable just because of pure speculation. Like uh, what Abs brought up earlier with the post-SEC case kind of effect where we dropped to 17 cents and then went all the way up and 10x in the beginning of the case. And now we're lower than even having some clarity. You know, people should people should be pretty like, whoa, how is that even possible kind of thing? It's showing you that none of those things really mattered at all, but it gave an opportunity for whales to push the market in a particular direction. And then once they did initiate a sell wall or to come up with a way to liquidate you. And uh, by the way, the whales are not holding XRP. They're holding stable coins. <laughs> so that's what they're they're fucking you over with, like your your arch nemesis. Um and that's why we're seeing XRP do what it does. Like, I mean, if if every single XRP army member started rolling over 10% of their paychecks into XRP, we would dramatically have price appreciation and it would start to break uh, new all-time highs within a month. Yeah. But nobody's really holding this thing as much as they like to talk about how they hold it. I'm um, glad you brought up speculation because that's kind of what I've been trying to educate our community here is there's a speculation phase and there's a utility phase. And everybody, and there's a great chart out there that explains that. And everybody hears the word utility and thinks utility is here or thinks utility is coming. And I try to tell them what is, we're nowhere near utility. We are so we are so in the speculation phase of the crypto market. And, and, and the charts prove it because you see it. You know, we go up and we go down. Nothing's held, nothing's sustainable. You could argue maybe Bitcoin is one of the few that's kind of in uh, somewhat of a utility stage if you're going to you know, at the beginning of utility stage, if we're going to call it uh, a store value. But other than that, I, I think we're so much into this speculation phase, though. And even in this next upcoming bull run now coming out of that, will we start to move more into utility? I think we are heading into utility, but we're nowhere near max utility or the top of the S curve or anything like that when it comes to adoption and utility. But people hear that word and think, oh, utility. And then they think skyrocket. But we're so far away from that. Mm -hmm. And I think 
that's the important thing, right? Knowing what stage you're in, speculation, and knowing that most of these pumps are going to be unsustainable. And like you said, have a plan, take advantage of them so you don't get wrecked. Yeah. I think a lot of the whole conversation around XRP exists solely because of this buzzword utility. Yep. Like if that word didn't exist, it's funny because it's one of my favorite words, but if that word didn't exist, it's like XRP, the XRP army, the XRP community would have very few things to talk about. So it's all, if anything, there's more speculation going on from them. Correct. <laughs> the speculation of utility and what that would create in regards to price action. Yep. And it's like they're not awake to that because there's some sort of cognitive dissonance going on here. That's why I know like I play a weird role in all of this because people are like, well, you sound bearish or you sound anti or it's very simple. I'm an investor. I'm just looking for opportunities. Mm -hmm. XRP is my second biggest position. It's an opportunity. I could also it's been doing very well for me. I've been trading it ever since I got going. And going back to the time where I first sold it, I got so much hate from the XRP community. Um, and I thought that was strange because I was like, don't you guys want to make money? But what was what was getting in the way was people were like, well, it has to do this because of all these banking uh, connections and all this, you know, and I'm like, bro, that's speculation. These charts are not. These charts are clearly showing oversold on higher time frames. Like I got shit to pay off. Like I have my own financial things. Like who are you? Yeah, bills to pay, man. And that's Miles what's feed. and that's what's funny about it all. Like I think people just don't get it. You know what I mean? And and the XRP is, uh, community specifically is one of the ones that I think the cognitive dissonance is turned up to eleven, and they are just purely operating on hopium at this point. And that's why I've told people like diversify. You know. For me, it's all about it's it's all about having something that is based in what you believe are the projects that are likely to go up over time without being complete scam rug pulls. And if you want to play in the rug pull, pull game, just know how to play it. Like if you want to play in the shit coin meme coin game, just learn how to play it. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with going to the gambling casino a couple times a year if that's if that's what you're about. But when you start giving all your energy to the speculation on what the future is like and you disregard the charts, that could become dangerous. And I think, um, yeah, it's about time that a lot of people woke up to this. And that's, I guess, the frustration, right? What I think is so frustrating for some people is because they never learned the charts. They never learned TA. So that's who are they left blaming then? Or who are they left feeling frustrated with? Well, it would be the influencers. It would be the people on Twitter. It would be maybe they're frustrated with Ripple. Right. There's been updates where we hear about Ripple selling particular amounts and sequenced. And now everyone who's anti XRP has something to say where they're like Ripple's dumping on you guys. And it just becomes this polarized, divided, um, you know, it's like a war. Makes so sense why they call themselves the XRP army. <laughs> I got a quick question for you because you brought up something interesting. Oftentimes, what you described is considered a psyop, right? A psychological operation here. And if people are going to agree, that XRP has, you know, it's, it has all these really interesting narratives about it. You brought it up. Nobody's super realistic when it comes to XRP pointing out price charts and stating that everybody's sitting there hoping that the world is running on CBDCs and XRP is the aggregate. I think we're years away from that. But I also think this, the price chart shows us we should make some money during this next crypto bull run, whether it takes place during an alt season or in correspondence with the case in April. I'd love to hear your perspective on maybe where you think we could go if XRP does break out during this quote unquote alt season. Okay. Yep. Let's do it. So, well, 
are you talking about in regards to post Bitcoin price discovery? Or are you talking about just the really short term? Like when I was sharing my thoughts on a speculative run that could go into this grand trial? Exactly. The short okay. term. Got it. So in the short term, I'm just going to clean, clear all this off. Actually, let me try to pull up another chart. I wanted to show you guys this. Uh, this is crypto, crypto market cap total three. And uh, this run up here, you see how it is going into the 0.5 fib? Yep. We're there, kiddos. Oh, time for a pullback. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, like, I mean, back no then. No backer saying the same thing. Time back, for a back then, we all felt probably really, really like, like winners, right? God gave us the gold star. All right, let's go over to XRP. I have some really clean, cleaner charts I would like to get into. Okay, cool. So I'm going to delete this really quickly, and you're just going to have a long-term fib. Single thing to look at. There's a couple things. I just want you to look at this fib pull. It's from the swing high or technically the all-time high down to the swing low. This was the C19 crash which is actually nice. It, it gives you a reason as to why you have these two big pivot points. And the same thing with this mid-cycle um, lower high. We know this was just effectively alt season. And now we're, we have a clean, you know, simple chart to look at with, with one major support trend line. <clears throat> this support trend line we already reviewed. We could consider that um, and where we're at on this FIB in regards to the next big move, maybe by including a Wyckoff method. So in Wyckoff method, this type of para parabolic advance would be called a buying climax or when buying pressure is exhausted, followed by this would be your selling climax or when all of your selling pressure is exhausted. And this would be called an automatic rally or an automatic reaction. It's typically in crypto, we get into minimum the 0.5 fib, but in crypto, we can go much higher. And uh, I think a lot of charts actually mimic this, uh, stellar lumens even is kind of looking very similar. And there's plenty of examples of OG projects that kind of made it through the 2017 run, if you will, um, that have a similar chart to this. So you could apply the exact TA that I'm going through right now with those projects and it'll be pretty, pretty similar, I think, on the next move. But where we're likely to go next, in my opinion, has everything to do with getting into this golden pocket territory. So by the way, this is on a logarithmic scale. And if you click on the FIB and scroll down to the bottom, you're going to have FIB levels based on log scale. That's important to note. And um, I think what I would expect next is this being retested. So that would be somewhere around the 702 FIB, around 120. Now, we got to be aware that wicks can go up to 140. So I think it would make sense if we're going to have a short-term speculative run up in the immediate, immediate, you know, like we're talking before April minimum should be 120 to 140 based on there's clear sell pressure here and we haven't really traded many days above a dollar 50 in the entire history of xrp so with that being said the technical move would be somewhere around the macro 702 fib into these wicks around 140 and if xrp really wants to get a big liquidity injection well then it's speculation because there's thin air there's thin air above this level 140 we could literally go straight to fucking $5 in a single day. And and I, you guys know me. I'm not the kind of guy to throw that sort of dramatic information out there. But we have no chart history above $1.40. It's so limited. So unless there is a whale 
that has a sell wall put somewhere between this 140 to three buck range. You know, uh, one other thing to mention, sorry about this noise. That's um, okay. One, one other nope. thing, one other thing to mention is that a lot of exchanges don't even allow you to put sell limit orders uh, as high as the current all time high. So a lot of them do, um, I think uphold might even put uh, uphold might be a good example, but I'm not sure a hundred percent, you know, I have heard a lot of people coming to me living in different countries around the world that were saying that they can't even set a sell limit order at $6 or, or $5, like their exchange doesn't allow them. So that's pretty interesting waters. And me and Johnny are laughing in the background. Sorry about that. We're just talking about the exit strategies. And I want to remind our listeners, this is why we created Merlin. Waters is giving you the insight into how to create an exit plan. Whether he's intentionally trying to do that or not, he's addressing levels that he sees we could retest in the short term. And I think what you're breaking down, that's exactly why people love XRP waters. What did you just say? There's almost no trading volume above that $1.40. And you said it yourself. We could go from $1.40 to $5 in a day depending on the catalyst or the narrative that they choose to roll out. So I think that's really, really interesting, especially when you consider the TA corresponding with the Bitcoin having and the resolution of the case. There's a lot that could be happening from now until April. So yeah, I'd just love to give you the floor. Yeah, no, I mean, precisely. Like, I think that what we're about to see, um, we don't know how it could go down. I mean, think about how there was an isolated, I know this is a little bit messy, but just one quick point. Again, it keeps harping on the comparison between this post uh, lawsuit price action, how it just kicked in, big correction, followed by higher highs. I mean, if we could do that during the lawsuit, imagine when this shit is completely out of the conversation and we're over and done with. I mean, if we could 10x off of that, then... Yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious that this thing could just do whatever it wants to do. But and the big but is what will Bitcoin be doing at the time? So I have a hard time believing and uh, I'm going to show you guys why. But I have a hard time believing that XRP can just go straight to these price discovery levels right now unless we do have Bitcoin all time highs because we've never seen it before. And there's a first for everything. Sure. And you just heard me say moments ago, there's no trading volume above $1.40. So everything above there is thin air. Yeah, we have a little bit of trading around two, very, very little bit between two and three. Um, but if that gets breached, you'll see retail FOMO like you've never seen before because all the XRP army people that don't have any of it right now, but they just like keeping up with it, that's when they'll start buying. So they're gonna, they could run that thing up to five, six bucks fast. Um, anyways, we not have sustainable this- though, right? Absolutely not sustainable. Yeah. It's never yeah. been. And I yeah. think if we want to do something like this, which I brought up a couple of times recently in my work, how this pivot point right here was March, April 2017. By the way, Bitcoin at this moment over here was already at all time highs. Mm. I want you to be aware of what I just said. Yep. So we have effectively down nine, almost 90% at a pivot point where Bitcoin was already up a lot. All right. I just and want to pause. Sorry, Waters. I just want to say we've been talking about that on the show for so long. Think about that, Johnny. We said it last week. XRP moves last in these cycles. And what we're seeing right now is not a deviation from something that we've seen before. Bitcoin has continued to pump. And I think it will create a new all-time high well before. Well, listen, I don't know. But I do think Bitcoin will create an all-time high before XRP breaks its all-time high, at least just looking from prior cycles. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Do we look at prior cycles or, or something going to be different this time? Because let's let's talk about that. The prior cycle, XRP had a monkey on its back. We know there was a lawsuit thrown out before the bull run really even started to happen. So the reality is, did we really get to see? Was it truly, you know, is XRP really a laggard every time? Or in this particular instance, because the narrative was so bad that it had a monkey on its back, that that changed the narrative, changed the speculative money that came into it uh, until we had a large pile of money, a liquidity came in after the rotation out of Bitcoin. So this time around, we don't have that narrative anymore. If the, if the lawsuit's finally over and we get this last piece of the, the court case done, doesn't have that on its back. So will it still be the laggard or could it maybe be one of the ones that move first? Only time will tell, my friend. But the point is, things have, the facts are different now. I'll defer to Waters above on this one. Waters, what are you seeing in the TA? Yeah, I mean, I just think it's it's important to realize where Bitcoin was at at this moment where we saw a straight line breakout on XRP. Bitcoin was effectively already in price discovery and it was it was testing the prior all time highs uh, at this moment. Now, of course, this move was insanely dramatic, but it was short lived. And I want to show you. So breaking structure, which would effectively be right here at like zero, zero, nine cents. This was the moment we broke structure. We went up for a little under, a little over two months-ish, two, month, two months total, 4,000%. But from wow. that top to the correction that came in was a 60% correction. Um, now, this was great. It was an opportunity, but you were already buying in price discovery. So, but you had this huge, arduous, boring fucking trading range that you could have been accumulating in at any yep. price, whether it was at here, 009 that I brought up, or if it was a little bit lower, the 006 territory, it doesn't matter. It would be like pulling your hair out today between 40 cents and, and 60 cents XRP yep. because a 4,000% gain came in. But what was that in comparison to Bitcoin? Bitcoin was at all time highs for this all to initiate and it happened fast. So that could be this rocket-like effect that we get if there's a really successful outcome in this case. And I know a lot of people think there will be. Um, I'm not here to speculate on that. I think it's irrelevant because I'm my bags are packed. This coin could do whatever the fuck it wants to do at this point. I'm I'm Gucci, you know. You're ready. You got. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine because I'm not going to wait for excitement. I buy when it's boring. Like that's what I teach my people. Like we buy when there's blood in the streets or when it's boring. When people are yawning, you're buying. And if you're buying when shit's exciting, like right now, then sorry, you didn't learn. Rule you got to follow one. the Warren Buffett model, right? Buy when it's well, buy when it feels like you want to puke and sell when everybody's buying. Yeah. If people are trolling you, then you're probably selling at the right time. That's another <laughs> exactly. thing I've learned. Exactly. And Waters, I don't know if you did this intentionally, but looking at the price chart you you pulled up for XRP, you have it where it's at maximum fear. And at what we know, because we went through this cycle, is from that point forward, we went from that 17 cent mark all the way up to $1.90. So isn't it just interesting that if you were looking at the price chart right now, and that was today, we were sitting at 17 cent XRP, the community would be in maximum negativity, maximum fear. But what does the data show us? The next four months were the most bullish four months we'd seen in over four years mm -hmm. at the time of maximum fear. So maybe there's a correspondence between what happened back then and what we're witnessing today. That's the reason why I love red days, baby. Can't make, I, you can't make money if you don't, you need red before you get green, right, Waters? Absolutely. I think that we're seeing a very cyclical kind of scenario here where we have this top formation, top formation, this 
was very Christmas tree like, but this automatic rally phase, lower high, followed by the sell off coming right back into the support zone. This was the same case for the alt season of 2021, even with the SEC case. And then here you are in this super boring sideways but higher low structure and making higher highs even slightly and coiling up, coiling up until the last minute and it just shoots. So, I mean, it's kind of almost like it was scripted. That's what I feel. And I know that's very conspiratorial, but, you know, if anyone spends a little time on my channel, you know, I'm not just making this shit up out of nowhere. Like, I do feel there's a script here. And this lawsuit was part of the script. The ETF launching at this exact time was part of the script. C-19 happening at the exact time it happened was part of the script. You know, whoever becomes president next is part of the script. It's all part of a script. And, uh, you know, I talked about this on my last YouTube video with Super Bowl and how there's been a cyclical pattern to post Super Bowl black swans. And we are now coming up on the one year anniversary of this Fed bailout program, which I believe the deadline is March 11th. Right. And we had March 10th last year with Silicon Valley Bank failing, Silvergate, Credit Suisse had problems. You all know the story. Um, well, that shit ends Monday. Uh, March 11th, coming up very soon. And who knows how that could all go down. I mean, we've seen a lot of times these black swans right after the Super Bowl in the month of March. Um, the, the best example, and then I'll pass it over to you guys, would be the Chiefs beating the 49ers in February of 2022, right before we went into C-19. Well, we just had the Chiefs beat the 49ers and what knows who knows what comes next but the market is very bullish right now as it was back in february 2020 even when we were starting to have information seep through the cracks as early as december of that year a lot of people might have forgot this but wuhan was becoming a talk of the town already on the global scale um months before we had the who declare the pandemic so this is not any different you know, we recently just have this disease or sorry, I probably shouldn't say it, but the X, you know, the the DX, it's becoming uh, it's trending now every other day. X going to give it to you. So we have this we have this happening like every other day. It's trending. We know they're they're trying to pump it into our brains like predictive programming. I'm not saying that that's how it could go, but maybe that's the distraction from like a cyber pandemic or that's a distraction from like another scenario that could lead to martial law you know i think that's what they like to do they like to distract look here don't look there and um that could be what's playing out right now exactly johnny and i think we're just on the road to a problem reaction solution type of situation but i want to address something else as well because this was really interesting joe biden tweeted this out got over 226 million views just like we drew it up with the laser eyes right after the super bowl first of all waters we know Biden doesn't know how to log into Twitter. So he didn't tweet this out himself. But what I do think is important is that the symbology here is really interesting. And I thought you'd be my, my man, my man doesn't even know how to pull up his fucking pants, bro. Homie hasn't tied his shoes in fucking 20 years. He got the Velcro ones, you know. Yeah, zip. he got those Velcro Johns. You're not wrong. And I just wanted to get some quick thoughts. Like, I don't know if you take this stuff seriously, but I did just find the symbology really interesting. And obviously, this got a ton of attention. They were even showing this tweet on like mainstream news, Fox Business, CNN. So I think there was some intention here. Now, what is your biggest takeaway? And maybe we can discuss it even further. My biggest takeaway on this particular picture? Yes. It's, inc it's incredibly creepy. Like the alt text that says dark Brandon is creepy. This is weird. 
why was this posted right after the Super Bowl? And then when we watch after the Super Bowl, it went up, the whole market went up, you know? And I mean, I don't, we all know that he's not running this. He's not making these choices. There's many handlers for the United States president and all political leaders. Um, so, I mean, I do think, and I'll be honest with you guys, I do think it's a little early for America's involvement in the next big thing. Okay. You know, you got to remember during C-19, the, the the big country that was the talk of the town for at least the first six months was, was China. Now, ever since we had Russia-Ukraine invasion, that's become like, you know, that's kind of brought some, yeah, like I don't think America's ready. So with, with Biden and this picture, it's almost making me feel like there could be an early removal of this guy, like. Maybe that's it. Maybe how does a how does a bull run or how does anything bullish seemingly go? It's very sharp and quick, and then there's a drawdown. So that could be it. Like there could be something tied to this dude in March. And that's enough. How did Kennedy's assassination shock the markets? Did you guys look at that? Have you ever analyzed that? I have not. Yeah, you should do that. You got, I'm sure you got the data. <laughs> I'm sure the market probably crashed, right? Whenever there's uncertainty and fear like that, markets typically tend to crash and pull back. Short-lived, but I'm, I'm curious. I wonder what the charts did look like. So it was November 22nd, 1963. All right. We'll pull up. I don't know. Is my chart still pulled up for you guys? Yep. Yeah, we can see it. Okay, cool. Let me see there if I have go. all this year of the dragon data. Yeah, it's got to be in there. I also just want to give a shout out, guys. We already got 909 live listeners here. If you're enjoying this content, show us some love, smash that like button, and we do have a user poll out that we're going to address. Make sure to vote in that user poll because we're going to address that before the end of the show. But I just wanted to get let you guys know. Also, Johnny, I didn't say it before. The link for Merlin is directly below this video. Guys, I got like one job on this show. It's to remind you that the link's down below. So please smash that link for Merlin. We love you guys. I'm going to kick it over to Waters. 3.30 days, my friend. Don't forget. 3.30 days. You know, I think this is kind of weird how it was right around the year of the dragon. Like it happened in the year of the rabbit, the prior year. So you mm. see this little dip right here in this 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 red candle. That was oh, yeah, the, there it is. That wow. was the assassination time frame. I'm that's, not sure why I have. And that's not a little dip. What is that percentage from the top? It was a four percent in us in a week. So the total move was about What's seven eight percent. So not huge for sure. But that's just the S and P. Anyways. Right. Um, we don't know what it did to particular companies. I mean, right. I, I haven't taken the time to study this particular incidence, but we have a yeah. script, right? Because what's involved in the current election? Well, we have another Kennedy involved, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, That's and, right. and we also have what, ha what was this event about the assassination of Kennedy? It happened in the state of Texas. And this yeah. year we have the X great American eclipse forming over the state of Texas. Oh. We have, everything is about the X this year. Mm, I'm just funny. I'm just just pointing that out like you X. know com, right x.com there's plenty of there's plenty of these things so I will I don't believe I've told you guys yet I might have but I did this year of the dragon decoded over on my patreon it's at patreon.com slash waters above and when I release this I put a ton of emphasis on the x symbolism but also the Jupiter symbolism because if you look at the current Paris Olympics that's about to come up, the Summer Olympics, their original logo was the Jupiter, uh, the symbol of Jupiter. Yeah. 
Um, maybe you could pull this up, Abs, because my computer is a little bit laggy and slow right now. Um, anyways, getting back to this, I saw there to be some sort of connection to the Munich Massacre, which was an event that happened um, about 50 years ago, the Munich Massacre, and it involved Israel. It involved Israel and Palestine. And I find it very weird how like we have that kind of conversation going on today right now. It's like revamped. You know what I mean? And the last time they were in a war with Israel, I'm sorry, it wasn't 50 years ago. It was the Yom Kippur War was 50 years ago. But I think the it was like the 1970. What year was that Olympics? The Munich Massacre. Let me look this up. I have a billion numbers in my head. It was 1972. Okay, cool. So yeah, you everyone, I, I urge you, go look up this event. Fascinating. It was uh, the Palestinian militant group was called Black September. Weird. Like a lot of things in this were revealing code to me. So I feel that there could be an event this year tied to this Olympics. Uh-oh. Johnny Crypto, did you have a comment? You were unmuted. No, I'm just like, uh-oh, not not a good thing. Uh, hopefully nothing bad will happen. We don't want to see any any kind of, you know, you know, detrimental things happening. So hopefully uh hopefully that won't be the case, but you never yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty interesting to look at it from the numerological standpoint and how there is connections all the time. Like we just had an event and people say, "Well, that's a coincidence," but the Chiefs lost their, or the Chiefs won their second Super Bowl against the 49ers. It was the second Super Bowl ever to go into overtime. The 49ers lost with 22 points. And just a couple days later, there was a shooting in Kansas City for the parade of that team, the Chiefs, and 22 people were wounded in a shooting. Wow. Like, how could that you be? Make that up. You can't make that up. And then the last time they played in a Super Bowl was 2020-2-2 in the oh, date shit. February 2nd, which is 2-2. Wow. Yeah, and a shout out to a community member um, in, in my community. He pointed out that if you take the days from the last Super Bowl the Chiefs and the 49ers played in February 2nd, 2022, and bring it to the recent Super Bowl, which was this past or two Sundays ago, I suppose, it was February 11, 2024. It was exactly four years and nine days and the 49ers played in both those Super Bowls. <laughs> Holy cow. Like, bruh. And Bitcoin be- Bitcoin traded to 49K on the day of the Super Bowl. And Satoshi Nakamoto is about to be 49 years old. And, and Waters, why didn't the 49ers win? Because my, my sheeple assumption would be, oh, 49-49. Why didn't the 49ers win the Super Bowl from an esoteric perspective? You know, I didn't do a full decode on this year's Super Bowl because I was working on releasing my decoding mastermind course. It was my first course I've released in, or my newest course I've released, excuse me, in almost a year and a half. And I really just wanted to get it out. And the timing was so bad. So, yeah, I didn't do a full decode on the Super Bowl. I took some of the information post and uh, kind of analyzed it so I could see how it was applying moving forward. But as for why, I could only give a couple of guesses. So I'll share that with you. 49 is a very powerful number. It's seven sevens or the square root of seven, right? And I've talked with you guys several times about this concept called biblical jubilee. Jubilee is after seven cycles of seven Shemitah years, and on the 50th year is called Biblical Jubilee. This isn't my opinion, by the way. People could go look this up. This is just basic numerology that's been coded in uh, 
since the dawn of time. It was actually the original system that was used for timekeeping. They would use these jubilees, these Shemitah years, et cetera, to get like a longer time horizon in case there would be any um, any issues with like generations experiencing cataclysms or like, you know, an event where it's, oh, there would be a wipeout, you know? So this was a, a really important numerological system that they had in place. And of course, there's different codes. There's seven cycles of seven, seven cycles of 10. We just saw that go down with the queen. She died on her 70th year Jubilee. It was literally called Platinum Jubilee. Right at the same time, we had Biblical Jubilee. And right at the end of Biblical Jubilee, we saw a war start in Israel. And that's their system. This is Judaism that we're talking about here. So it's really wild when you see the numerology tied to it. So what does this mean? The number 49 is a number of completion. Meaning when we move over into the 50, we're now in a like a free, free reign to do whatever the whatever they want. The the elite I'm talking about. This is why it's a positive year for them. And this is why the bull run really started in 2023. And if you look at any chart from the beginning of 2023 to today, a full year later, Anything you could have bought almost any asset in the beginning of 2023, and it would have been a genius move. Bitcoin, for instance, was pretty much at its all time low at 15K right around uh, the end of 2022, which was just the beginning really of Jubilee. So I think that this 49 code is super powerful because the 49ers lost the year before the Shemitah and they lost the year after the Jubilee forwards and backwards like a ripple effect of time this was all coded around this particular time of year and people can go back into prior times where the 49ers were playing uh where they were winning super bowls at least back in like the joe montana days and um they even had a super bowl where they won with 49 points like it's it's unbelievable that this is all coded now why does this matter well because they are the gold miners this is tied directly to money. This is tied tied directly to finance. So there's symbolism here, particularly with that team. Even think about the the I can make a joke really quickly. Their their mascot is sourdough Sam. Well, sourdough is bread. What do we call money? We call it making bread. Yeah. Like it's dough. Why do we call it that? Well, this comes from biblical manna, or it comes from it's 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 not new, it's not slang even. It has origins in the past. So from an esoteric perspective, and I know this is this is more educational, it's probably helpful for some people, but maybe not the most interesting. I think that this was just a completion ritual of the number two, and the 49ers were involved in it because we were in the 50-year jubilee around this whole time frame, and now we're moving into a new super cycle. And that super cycle effectively started right around the time that this war in Israel began. So October of 2023, and it will last now all the way for another 49 to 50 years. Um, but this is a kind of wild information because a lot of people might have never heard some of these things before. And it could be, you know, so the last thing I'll say is this number two and 22, two is duality and 22 is the master builder and the master destroyer number. I want everyone to remember that it was between 9-11 and C-19 being declared a pandemic was 222 months. You could look this up for yourselves. 
So the number 22, this 22 number is super powerful to the occult, to the elite. They use it on purpose. And if there's something being built, then something's destroyed. And if something's destroyed, something is built. It's think about the twin towers, twins, duality. Those were canceled. And then it went to tower seven. Why did tower seven collapse? That's 117, 7-11. September is not the ninth month in the system. It is the seventh month because septem in Latin means seven. The date was 7-11. That was 117 towers. And then where do they, what do they do with all that energy? They push it into the pentagon, the pentagram. You study occult ritual magic, you'll always see pentagrams drawn on the floor. This was a fucking black magic ritual. And yeah, there was real people involved. It wasn't fake. Real people died. I lived in New York at the time when it happened. I knew firefighters who were who were involved in this. But the elite don't give a shit because to them, it's just an energy exchange. It's like how to reorganize energy for a new age. So I think the fact that we just had this jubilee at this strategic time where we're starting to see the quick adaptation of AI. Look at how much ChatGPT has developed just in one calendar year. Mind-blowing. You don't even need to make stuff anymore. Like everything could just be generated. Music, film, advertisements, copywriting, everything it could do for you at this point on a computer. That was such a quick development. It's a huge industry. And we're moving in that way. You know, like a Black Mirror episode a couple of years ago was, was wild to us. Now it's everyday life. You'll see shit that you were seeing in Black Mirror uh, in your regular life. Look at these Apple Vision things that just came out. Like, we're there. People are wearing these Apple Vision fucking things while they're driving self-driving cars on the road. Waters, that's almost as crazy as wearing a mask in your own vehicle. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like wearing a condom when you're sleeping in bed alone. <laughs> <laughs> No, but for real, like this is kind of where we're at. We're in a quick developing age. I think this Jubilee had everything to do with it. I think C-19 being where it was at the time, it pushed quickly a couple of these systems that will be utilized on the world stage pretty much synchronistically. And then the next thing will be things you guys already know, like uh, CBDCs and digital passports, digital identification cards. All the physical paperwork we own will be gone. And uh, credit cards and all of that will start to be replaced by just tap. Everything will be tap um, to pay QR codes. And it's inevitable. You know, it's just the way we're going. Also, that that means there's uh, there's something to consider with things like gold and physical assets. Will gold be valuable? I know a lot of people per, are speculating it will be. But, I mean, look at the stock market compared to the gold chart. What was a better move? I mean, it's just interesting, right? Like if you really think, like even if you want to talk about the gold ETF narrative. So, I mean, yeah, man, there's a there's a lot going on right now in this world. But um, I think we're watching physical assets and everything that has to deal with the physical is being transitioned out on purpose. It's being take it's being hyperinflated so that you don't want to own a house. Same thing with precious metals. They're becoming boring. So you don't want to play that game. Um yeah, so anyone who's confused about my comment before about the stock market versus gold, just go back to 2015 and pull from the S&P or the Dow Jones or the NASDAQ, and you'll see how much percentage gains that has in comparison to gold in the same time frame. 
Waters above, you brought up the uh, Black Mirror episodes. Here's another episode of Black Mirrors that happened much sooner than I would have thought. People are now at Whole Foods, and instead of swiping their credit card, which is literally effortless, they're going to give the, give away their palm and their and their digital data. Like everybody's just willing to do this stuff. And I think this is what's so funny about the word conspiracy theorist. If you aren't slightly conspiracy minded, you are going to be taken advantage of. I genuinely believe that. If you take everything for what it is. Amazon has your best interests. Walmart has your best interests. The government has your best interests. Your banks, they have your best interests. That's a great world to live in until you have to deal with the consequences that are inevitable. So I just wanted to hear your take when it comes to all that. There seems to be a mass awakening, right? I don't know mm -hmm. if it's just my personal bubble because of what we do and what we talk about every day, but the people in my life and their personal opinions have changed dramatically over the last three or four years. And I'd like to think that's happening on a mass scale. So What's your perspective on that? We talk, We often talked about the age of awakening. By 2030, we're going to be in this new age where everybody owns nothing and they're happy, at least according to Claus. My idea is this. When you push people too far, they're forced to react. And I think 2019 forced a lot of people to start looking at the world differently. And I throw myself in that category. Sure. Maybe maybe you can talk about what your approach is when you talk about the, the, the awakening process that people are going through. And do you think that's happening at a mass scale or is it just mm. my fault? You know? No. Yeah. I think first and foremost, I don't think we're having an awakening. I think we're having an information uh, download. Like we just know more, but that doesn't mean we're becoming more spiritually wealthy. I think we really need to clear up and delineate between the two. I know so many people that could talk me in circles about what's going on with the World Economic Forum and the plans of Klaus Schwab and the New World Order. And they could they make me sound like I don't know shit. But I can see it within this being that they are they're not feeling anything in life. They're quite numb. They they don't have a sense of presence. They don't really feel joy. They're always kind of in worry about tomorrow. They think there's an apocalypse looming, you know? I could see in them that they're spiritually bankrupt, but they're billionaires in knowledge and information. And for me, like information doesn't it doesn't uh get me off. You know, like I don't really give a fuck about the information. I want to feel bliss. Like I want to feel a sense of beingness. Um, and that's the true wealth. Like people talk about how health is the true wealth. No, it ain't. It's peace of mind. Peace of mind is wealth. You could have the, you know how many people look healthy and they have six packs, but they have terrible, you know, uh, issues with self-confidence and self-esteem. And like they have body dysmorphia, you know, bro, peace of mind is, is wealth. And very few people have that. Uh, when you start getting into this information, by the way, this more occult information, when you start learning about germ theory and how C-19 was a hoax and all that stuff, when you learn about that, that could, that tests you, that tests your strength. Um, and I got to admit, like I've been through a lot of different apocalypses myself, like a lot of so-called uh, enlightening moments. And uh, every time I go through one of those, I realize that like most people don't have the consciousness to really absorb what this knowledge and wisdom is and then just keep it moving. A lot of the time they get it and it becomes like a hoarder, like they're now packing their apartment with stuff. They know all this information, but now they can't even walk through their own home anymore. You feel where I'm coming from with this? Like Absolutely. Bro, they're not light anymore. You're not that a light. Me. Actually, Waters, I was one of those people who when I first 
heard about spirituality. And this is me being like super honest for 800 strangers listening, but we love you guys. And when I first started to get into spirituality, I think I focused way too much on like positivity, positivity, always being positive. That's just not how life works. Life works in cycles and you're going to have moments where things are going great and you're going to have moments where things are not going great. And I think it's appropriate that we react in the right way. And I don't know, I think for myself, I leaned a little bit too much into positivity and that strayed me away from reality. But as yeah. I've you know, grown up a little bit and understand this stuff, I mean, I'm just going to show this really quick while we're talking. This was something that I found a few years ago and like this type of information, these type of ceremonies and symbology before 2019, I, I not only was I not interested in it, I didn't know about it. It wasn't like I had heard this information and dismissed it. I'd never had the opportunity to learn about these things until I got on YouTube and found these channels like your own. So I don't know. I think that kind of goes into the whole great awakening. You have to go through these moments of like, it's like when you work out and you tear your muscle. That's kind of what happens with spirituality. You get into spirituality and maybe you push it a little bit too far. But absolutely. Yeah. Floor is yours, water. No, no, absolutely. You're looking at it the way it is. Like the, the micro tear and the muscle is what, like it's what promotes growth. Like uh, it's just what it is. Like people need to start looking at this as it is that the same thing with the reps or weight that you lift. Like you, if you can't lift 200 pounds, you don't go under the bench and try doing a bench press at 200 pounds, you know, you'll, you'll snap your shit up. So like you need to get a strategy in place that, that builds you up to that personal record. It's the same thing with pull-ups. It's the same thing with a running uh, amount of time or running an amount of distance. Like you don't just do your first jog around the block and the next week you're doing a fucking triathlon or whatever. Like people don't understand this, that like spirituality is very similar. And I'm glad that you brought this up. Like it, it means that you're aware. You know how much training it takes to get to that level where you could just realize that everything is what it is. And all I got to learn how to do is sail with the, with the tides. People, when they get spiritual for the first time, they're like in a rowboat with one broken oar and they have a hole in their boat and they're like complaining at the fucking boat. Like, why are you broken? You know? And then you get a little bit more spiritually aware and you're like, how about I just fix the problem? Then you become solution oriented. Then you're like, how about I make the ore a little stronger? Then the next thing you know, you're like, why don't I just pull up a sail so I can let the wind do this for me? You know, you transcend from being like the guy who's rowing a boat to the guy who's sailing the boat. And that's what I'm trying to teach my people. Like there doesn't need to be effort here. There just needs to be a sense of knowing that there's energy and it surrounds you. And sometimes it's going to feel like depression or it's going to feel like you're you know, not doing so well, or there's a problem or the government's corrupt, or there's going to be a black swan, like all of this shit that injects fear into you is an opportunity for you to take it on as if you take on the winds when you're in a sailboat, you don't complain at the 30 mile per hour wind. You just fucking learn how to sail with it. Like you got to learn how to deal with all this stuff. Well, you, you hate taxes. Okay. Go study the tax code. You know, you feel like you can't figure out how to make a business. Well, stop scrolling on fucking TikTok and go study how to become an entrepreneur. You're, you're tired of like the, your body go to the gym, like do something about it, you know? And I think like a lot of the time we're, we're so drowning in fear and that comes full circle to investment. And, you know, we could kind of wrap it up there with that idea. Like it's no different in investing. It's the same thing with spirituality and I believe that's probably what my channel brought to this YouTube world is like how to be a conscious investor. But more importantly, 
we're not investors at the end of the day. We're spiritual beings having a physical experience. And that is the truth. This money shit is momentary. You know, all of this stuff is momentary. And I think the most important part of this that we lose in the process is community because we are so divided. You know how many people in the XRP community hate me because of one thing I said once and they don't even spend any time listening to all the other things. They don't even know that it's my second biggest position. And the same thing goes with these Bitcoin people, the Hex people. Every, there's so much tribalism right now. And all it's doing is avoiding collaboration. That's what the government and the people who rule this world wants, by the way. Division. They want us to fucking be against each other so we never work together to take them down. People got to wake up to this. So I'm not picking sides with cryptos. Like there's no side with me there. That's small potatoes. Like there's a much bigger mission at hand. And it'd be great if we flipped there, started putting our energy into that. Waters, we're going to end this show. I just wanted to end it on a kind of a lighthearted note because this was the CERN ceremony that we went through. And like, this is a pretty groundbreaking moment for me because I don't want people to take this too serious. Like you said, this stuff is happening, right? This isn't impacting our everyday lives, but just look at what Klaus Schwab and these guys are. Look at what the World Economic Forum and the CERN celebration Look at what they're doing, right? Let's just pretend it's all a joke. Let's take none of it serious. What are they trying to symbolize? I mean, if you don't get an eerie feeling from this type of a celebration, you must be used to horror films. Because to me, I don't watch a lot of scary movies. This looks like a scary movie and the symbology is honestly <laughs> off the charts. So I'm just going to get it off the screen and maybe you can end it on like a lighthearted note. Are, people get scared. And I think my initial reaction was, look at them doing all this strange stuff this is a little bit scary to know that there are forces out there running around in costumes. Look at this man. This man is being paid to do this. So I just wanted to give you a chance to maybe address. Not only is he being paid, he's getting his payment from the country's tax dollars. That's what's paying him. It's just this is some government shit. Yeah, I mean, you know, I bet if you guys watched a ceremony that goes on in rural Africa somewhere, it would be equally creepy. But the reason it doesn't seem creepy to you is because it's happening in the middle of nowhere, like where there's no development. This particularly looks creepy because it's so scripted and like there's all this money being poured into it. It's like, why are they pouring all this money into doing this um, theater? You know, it's very theatrical. Um, but, you know, lighthearted note is we need to redirect our energy towards things that serve our purpose. And I think right now we're at a point where humans are so purposeless and they want purpose. So they give it to these like individual things like the XRP community or the just crypto in general. And like we've watched people who are fathers of two kids disregard that role of being a father because they're anxious about what's happening with the XRP price. And like we need to become more aware that we're doing that. So I think like if there's anything I could leave off with is become more self-aware, like stalk yourself, give more attention to self and less to the Kardashians or what type of teeth Kanye has or what type of shit Biden is posting about. Like those are all insignificant at the end of the day. And once you start redirecting energy back to self, you'll be able to transform. You'll be able to transform your life instead of being used as a tool to feed energy to something outside of you. 
Thank you so much, Waters. And I was just pulling up this data to end the show, guys. We are almost have 400 likes on the episode. Thank you to each and every one of you for not only joining the conversation, but participating. This was the question that we asked our live chat today. Here, Johnny, I asked this. What is your peak price projection for XRP in 2024? Well, listen to this. 31% believe we're going to be above $8. 27% think between all-time high and 8 Only 24% say that we're going to be between $1 and $4, and 15% think we're going to stay below a dollar. I'd like to hear your reaction to these stats. Now, I'm just going to give you the open floor, and then I'll give my take. Sorry. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I think that you're starting to see where people's mindsets are at. People are kind of hoping we're going to get to this all-time high and that this is it. You know, we know that the XRP community, we've, we've seen it. They're getting frustrated. They're getting tired. And I think they're looking at us, okay, we're finally going to break these all new time highs or at least test them, right? I think combined you had almost 51% think we're going to break it or get there. So if we don't, boy, it's going to be a really, really frustrating moment uh, for the Army. And I think you're going to see a lot of people capitulate. They're already talking about it, that they're going to dump their XRP and go elsewhere. People are already doing it. So I think this shows you a little a look into the mindset of where people believe, what people want to happen. Everybody's tired of waiting for the all-time highs to break, and uh, I think they're looking for that to happen in this next year. So we'll see. Now, if you look at, you know, based on on some of the charts that Water showed, but maybe there was going to be a nice pull-up from April to June or, or going into the back end of this year into November, maybe there's some hope we can get some of these breakthroughs. I promise you this, guys. If we go above a dollar in the next six months, you're going to see the XRP community sentiment rapidly change. You thought oh, yeah. Larry Fink's heel turn was interesting? Wait for the XRP army when we get back above a dollar. But Waters, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us today. Can you remind people where they can find more of your content, your Patreon, if they're interested? Yeah, sure. So you could go just check out my YouTube channel. It's probably the best place place to start. Got over 200 videos or so. So yeah, just check out the YouTube channel at Waters Above and then take it from there. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. And I want to give a special thank you to our guest, Waters Above, as well as Johnny Crypto. We got 859 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And like we always say, we love you guys. We'll see you in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, ah, it's just good to get it, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go.